0: It's 906 at WPTF, AM 680, and FM 98.5. This is the Tom Kearney Show, yours truly Tom Kearney, the host, live and in real time, five nights a week from 9 until 10 each night. And we welcome you whenever you can join us, most of the times, I hope. We try to bring you programs that are uh, entertaining and educational so that you end up uh, being amused and have a little bit more knowledge uh, along the way. Uh, one of our longest-running guest on uh, this show is uh, uh, conducted by Dr. Mike Walden, who is a professor of economics at NC State University, and he is, in fact, our guest tonight. Dr. Walden, are you there? Um,
1: I hope you're doing well And this uh, rather cool evening, but I think we're going to
0: I think, reach 80 by Friday. Yeah. I just... Uh, Mrs. Kearney said, is it going to rain tomorrow? And I said, Sue, it's not going to rain for about a month, may I, <laughs> <what> I <say? laughs> But it's going to be warm tomorrow, and I look forward to that. Uh, uh, of course, it means that the grass will have to be mowed, and so on. Dr. Mike Walden is a, is a uh, member of the faculty at NC State, and I'm going to see if I can get it right tonight since 1978. Is that that's right, right mm-hmm. Dr. Walden? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. You know? That's right. Yes, 1978. I right. 78. He is a graduate uh, of a university uh, in his hometown, uh, the University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He is, a, he is in fact, a Bobcat. And after <laughs> he got his Bearcat. Uh, so bear, bearcat. So Bearcat. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was actually thinking, uh, multitasking. Am I thinking? Because when I said that, I was thinking, is his name Bob Hoskins? Is that the coach's name? Uh, yes. Yes. yes I think yeah, yeah. I was looking up uh, the most winning basketball coaches uh, active, you know, in the NCAA Division One, and he's one of them. And I uh, saw his Oh, name. okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it was I should quit uh, uh, multitasking in my mind and just concentrate on one line of narrative <laughs> at a time. Anyway, Dr. Walden went up to uh, one of the nation's great land grant universities, uh, Cornell University, uh-huh. for his degree and. And came to Raleigh to teach at NC State, and he has been here since then. He is uh, a professor at a land grant institution who tries to fulfill, uh, does f- fulfill the responsibilities of a land grant teacher, and that is the uh, the schools that are out of that that pot. Uh, uh, you you teach you people on the campus, you teach the the, the citizens in the streets, and you do research to uh, uh, so you can you can tell the, the government and citizens what they need to do about the economy. And one of the ways he spreads the word is coming on this program once a month, usually about the middle of the month. We are about as early in the month as we get. Dr. Walden, it will probably be five weeks before you hear from me again. Okay. But okay. Uh, any, any, in, in any event, that is his pedigree, and uh, we are glad to have him. He has been here virtually every month since 1989, and the only months he hasn't been here is months that I actually was not here. Uh, to invite him, and that was three months last year. I think all the other months are covered. Dr. them. I think I told you when I got uh, recovered from my, my broken leg and came back, uh, uh, the first person I called was you because I, was no, I felt me. very honored by that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to, to keep up our record and wanted to get the word out, and the word needs to be got out tonight, and uh, you. Uh, truth in Broadcasting. Dr. Walden gives me a, sheet, a cheat sheet before each program, which is to say, he sort of points to things that are uh, we should talk about and are worthy of that. And uh, and uh, because I, in fact, don't don't have the wherewithal to keep up with all the stuff as as well as he does. And one of the things we've been doing for the last little bit is talking about the general over overall economic situation. And so with that. Uh, that in the air, uh, Dr. Walden. I think in the old days, they used to say, without further ado, uh, so, uh, yeah. we'll pass the ball
1: to you. Uh, that's right, Tom. And, and, of course, we've had a very um, trying year, uh, about, about a year ago, when I think we were all uh, aware that COVID was here and the question was just how bad it would be. Um, I think we're only a, a week or so away from when Governor Cooper issued the, the orders that we, we should stay home if we could, and certain industries were not even allowed to be open. So we've been through this a year, and,
0: and we had a very,
1: very deep uh, economic downturn uh, after those stay-at-home orders were issued, um, and, and it makes sense. that, um, And we did this, of course, where the medical people said we need to do that in order to, to uh, flatten the curves in order to prevent the virus. And then those, uh, those restrictive orders were, were lessened uh, beginning in May and, and actually since May of last year, the economy has been on the
0: upswing
1: and we don't yet have any data The unemployment rate has been falling, um, so all that is good. If you look at the percentage of, if you look at a, um, the percentage of jobs that have come back, we're talking about total jobs, not they're all not necessarily the same job. But depending on where you live, we're about eighty to eighty to ninety percent back in terms of um, what we lost over, uh, particularly about a year ago. April was a bad month. Now. Um, that does not mean that everything's fine. I want to emphasize that. Everything is not fine. Everyone is not fine. Uh, all businesses are not fine. In fact, we're probably going to, when the numbers come out, my forecast is that for small businesses particularly, we're probably going to see a bankruptcy rate that uh, you'd have to go back to the 1930s to see, probably in the 25 to 30% range, that is 25 to 30% of small businesses will, will have failed. Um, We still have a lot of people who don't have jobs. Uh, We have a lot of people who are straining to take care of their children, take care of maybe uh, uh, parents who might live with them. And that's why what we're going to talk about in the next segment, I think the COVID relief bills have still been coming. But uh, we do think that the economy is going to continue to improve this year. Um, And I think things will become even more optimistic as more people get vaccinated. And we've had some states, and I know this has been controversial, but I think you will see over the next several months more states open up more. We've already done that here in North Carolina. And so uh, I would expect by the fall of this year in terms of overall economic activity, uh, the so-called macro view will probably be about back where we were pre, pre-pandemic. Uh, that what will be different, however, is the job market, and we're going to talk more about this later later in the, in the evening, but I think the job market is going to be the one area where we're going to see a lot of changes um, in terms of what businesses want, how businesses are going to do their work, whether they choose to use people or technology or machinery. So that's my that's my focus, and I think that'll be a lot, the focus of a lot of policy, is how we are going to cope with what I expect will be a, a big, what economists call, disruption in the job market.
0: Dr. Mike Walden takes a look, uh, an an overview of the situation in the economy, as he alluded to in his uh, words there. We're gonna talk next about the debate over the COVID uh, recovery bill. I I think that's probably the right thing to call it. Uh And we'll do that with Dr. Walden right after this. Point five. We are uh, learning what the situation is uh, in the economy of uh, the United States. So we're from Dr. Mike Walden, and uh, one of the, well, the, the persistent news item of late has been the, the debate in the Congress over the recovery bill uh, sponsored by the Democrats and opposed by the Republicans. Uh, I, I say that only because it's so obvious. It's, it's a case of black and white almost. Uh, Dr. Waldman, uh, talk about the debate for the, the the bill to spend what is it, almost trillion, $2 dollars trillion yeah, worth of money? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, a little background, Tom. Um,
1: the the um, the orders that most governors issued to to restrict activity in the economy in order to get a handle on the on the virus. And of course, the unique thing about this virus is it was very, very contagious and and could be very, very deadly, and we didn't want to overwhelm the hospital system. Um, We knew that was going to create a recession, and in fact, we thought it would be a fairly deep recession, albeit short, and that's exactly what happened. The second quarter of 2020 was the worst. Um, Since this was really no one's fault, um, the idea was that should should we not have some Public assistance for people and businesses to try to keep people in, and, and importantly, and also businesses afloat. And and I think the concern was if you just let the economy go uh, do what it was going to do in light of the recession, um, <clears throat> not only would a lot of people suffer, but you'd have a lot of businesses simply go out of business. And so, when the economy came back, we wouldn't have as much of an economy left. So uh, at the end of March of last year, we were the first, related, and I think this is just oftentimes how, uh, and this is no criticism on my part, it's just how politics is played when you've got something that's popular, and those polls show that this COVID relief bill is very popular. When you have something that's popular, uh, if, if you're the party in charge, in this case the Democrats, you you might often take that opportunity to put other things in there, uh, because that may have been a hard task if they just stood alone. So. <clears throat> All of this $2 trillion is not directly COVID-related, but it, it had uh, passed the Senate. It's not, well, initially passed the House, and when it went over the Senate, it had to be, the um, parliamentarian said the um, component that would have increased the minimum wage over time to $15 an hour, that was not pertinent to this bill uh, that, that's being passed by a majority. It would have received 60 votes, so the minimum wage was taken out. So, Senate passed that. Now it's back at the House, and they're going to have to pass it again—the the Senate version. But my guess is it will happen. And so this will provide a lot of relief that'll go through the um, summer, spring, summer, and, and into the fall. And hopefully, hopefully, and I'm obviously not a medical person. Hopefully, we'll have the virus under control at that point. Now, Tom, I, you tell me when I'm getting long here before break. I do, want to, I do want to talk a little bit more about this because I do think there's been some discussion, particularly in economic circles, as to whether um, this bill, being the size that it is, and, and given the fact the economy is recovering, might this be too much just in terms of a, what we call the macroeconomic simulation? And if that's the case, what might some adverse things be down the road that we'd want to watch for?
0: Well Mike, you've got about five minutes before we need oh, okay. to we'll I'll, so, I'll go
1: ahead so and do what there. you gotta do. Yeah, I mean uh, the, the the way that I always like analogies. Uh, most people aren't economists, thank goodness. But but uh, so I try to give analogies. I mean the way to look at the COVID bill the I'm sorry, the COVID virus is it was it was it was causing part of our economy to burn down. And or another way of looking at it, maybe a better way of looking at it, it was causing our economic engine to stumble and uh and not move forward. And so the, the, the bills that have been passed have been like putting fuel in the car to get the car moving ahead. The concern right now, and given that the economy has already been moving ahead with the help of these stimulus bills, but also just natural recovery, uh, as I said since May, the, the concern among some economists is are, might we overdo it? Might we actually stimulate the economic engine too much that it might blow up or it might... Uh, 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 blow a gasket in the old days, and <clears throat> those, those pictures you have of steam coming out of the, of the engine, et cetera. And what that would manifest itself as is higher inflation, um, uh, and that would come about by the fact that all this money being pushed in the economy is going to motivate people to spend. And if a large part of the economy is not there to produce what people want to buy, what you're going to have is prices go up. That's where our economic system works. Too much, uh, too much buying compared to production, you're going to send prices up. So that's one concern. Might we see higher inflation, say this summer and this fall? Another concern is that if we look at the data we have from the previous stimulus bills, uh, particularly from the stimulus checks, uh, about a third of that money was saved. People saved it; they didn't spend it. So they put it in investments, and probably one. And we don't. I can't say this. I'm sure one investment that people have put a substantial amount of money into is the stock market. The stock market's been doing very, very well. The concern, though, is are we overinflating the stock market by having this money that the federal government has, in essence, created and pushed in the economy, uh, going out and buying stocks, and are stocks overvalued? money back well first that might stimulate, that might provide. Uh, make the economy be more productive and increase our standard of living. Uh, in fact, uh, the Wharton School of Business that, uh, at the University of Pennsylvania just came out with a report that said this stimulus bill has passed, which it probably will, probably will mean, the, the, the way to look at the cost, it will cause future growth rates in the economy to be 10% lower because we're having the services set. So um, should we have done it? Well, yeah, probably. Uh, now, of course, everyone can say, look at all these bills. and Well, it should have been more targeted. We don't, we don't need money here or there. But the concept of, of helping the economy through this, yeah, I think that's a valid one because we didn't, we didn't bring this on ourselves. and this is, We don't want people to, 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 to be harmed uh, financially, health-wise, and certainly we want to help businesses. But there is a cost to, to it. And, and the way to look at this, Tom and listeners, is the money we're spending now, it's going to be probably $6 trillion. Uh, that we borrowed to help the economy now is bar- is taken from the future and that means that money's not available for the future and not a- not available to promote economic growth so we've borrowed growth from the future and brought it back to today
0: and i guess that's i'm uh, just being the devil's advocate i'm not even really that but it's 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 considered to be uh, by those who back it as to be a necessary to keep the engine, so to speak, running rather mm-hmm. than have it grind to a halt and having right. to try to restart it, you know, from somewhere else. And I guess this would be a different, definitely Keynesian thing happening. Well, well
1: yeah, you could. Although Keynes, the Keynes, uh, and you're alluding to the English economist who, who, uh, if you could point to someone that developed the idea of a stimulus, anybody uh, But he, 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 uh, he developed that idea around. The normal recessions that occur due to imbalances in the economy, overinvestment, uh, etc. This, I think, is a little different because it's a medical emergency. It's a pandemic that, that wasn't caused by anyone being too exuberant. But yeah, the the effects are the same: that um, that you're 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 trying to prop up the economy now so people aren't hurt and you, and you don't lose a large part of the economy, but you do
0: pay for that in the future. Right, and now. And now is the time for us to go. You were, okay. we were kind enough to keep an eye on the clock. Oh, for yeah, I did your job a couple times. Or actually, remember, I,
1: I hosted it uh, PTF years ago. I know, but I know these breaks are important.
0: Oh, I know. I'm, I just got to keep keep an eye on my job here <laughs> you, you, you know how to do it. Now, Dr. Mike Walden is our guest tonight, talking about the situation with the economy. We'll be back. FM ninety eight point five and sixteen Remember to set your one button for each in your automobile so you'll be able to hear WPTF and especially, I would say, the Tom Kearney Show but uh, but all the programs on WPTF including the news. This is the point in each night's schedule about halfway when we do a little promoing. Tomorrow night, my brother Stephen will be back and in honor of Women's History Month, he will talk about uh, women's uh, rise to power and more inclusion in the uh, entertainment industry. That's tomorrow night here on WPTF on Wednesday night, you, we're going to find out who Alexander von Humboldt was, a name that uh, should be recognized by a lot more people than, than it is. And uh, uh, Dr. William Kimmler, professor of history, history of science at NC State University, will be our guest. And so Alexander von Humboldt, uh, think about that by Wednesday night. Tonight, Dr. Mike Waldman, professor of economics and William Neal Reynolds, Professor of economics at NC State is our guest, and he's talking about the economy and I think this is the point where he has indicated that he would like to and this is one thing we like about him. he doesn't just talk about the the national picture but the state picture as well. He wants to talk about the state of the North Carolina economy and budget Dr. Walden, yes sir. is that right that's right, yes um.
1: Uh, again, uh, go back a year, and one of the things we were concerned about, we being economists especially, was uh, not only the impact of the virus on the health of our, our state, uh, the impact of the virus on, on the economy and the ability of people to work or earn a living, the ability of businesses to stay open and serve the public and, and earn some revenue. Uh, we were also um, concerned about the impact of all this on state budget, particularly on the revenue side. And uh, if you go back a year, you'll see a lot of headlines that, that were very pessimistic, and rightly so. Um, uh, we were just entering a year ago, the, the recession, the, the recession I've already talked about, that was very deep. And you think about a state like North Carolina, um, a lot of the state gets its revenue from, revenues from various sources, but two of the big ones are sales tax. Well, if people aren't out there, Spending because they can't, because restaurants are closed, and businesses are closed. That's going to adversely impact sales taxes. And then the other major component of state taxes is income tax. Well, if people aren't working or not earning income, there's not going to be tax there. So so there were, there were some big worries a year ago that the state budget would take a big hit. And then the question, of course, is uh, what do we do about that? We're a state, as most states are, where we have to have a balanced budget. We're not like the federal government that can borrow for just about anything at any time. And so there were discussions, I know at at NC State, I'm aware that there were discussions about, well, how are we going to, if our budget is cut by this amount or this amount, how are we going to handle that? And that that was repeated in most state agencies. Well, the good news is that didn't happen. (laughs) And, I think it's a result of two things. One, the economy did recover starting in the third quarter of last year and actually recovered very, very strongly, which I'll say most economists did, did think would happen, and it continues to recover. And then the second thing that happened is the aforementioned stimulus plans. If you, if up, up to right now, we're, we're debating, or the Congress is debating, a, another $1.9 trillion stimulus. But uh, so far, we've had about $4 trillion spent or allocated in stimulus plans over the past uh, year and a couple months. And about $40 billion of that uh, has gone, come into North Carolina. Well, uh, that supported a lot of spending by households here in North Carolina. It supported a lot of jobs, so people are earning income, and that gets taxed. So actually, our state budget is looking fairly good. So I think that's one good news that we'll, that we'll take out of this is that it doesn't look like there's going to need to be any major um, reductions in state spending. Now, on top of that, I should say, Tom, the people, people who are listeners who followed this know this. If you look at the stimulus bill, the $1.9 trillion that is now being debated and deliberated on by the Congress, States will be flush, uh, in some sense, with money, uh, and that will be fairly interesting to watch here in North Carolina because we obviously have a split government: governor of one party, the General Assembly of the other party. It'll be interesting to watch how that the debate over how that money is used, how that progresses. So that's that's a that's a that's an FYI for people for your information to watch for uh, something that's good will obviously spark some debates about how that money is going to be.
0: They have sort of fallen into a kind of a heaven for fun, if they were call themselves fundraisers to the people in the state because that's what uh, people who are raising money are always looking for is undesignated funds, the uh-huh. funds that they can spend you know for whatever they want to spend it for rather than you know to build a new building or whatever and so on. Doctor Walton, I have done it again. I cannot read my own handwriting for <laughs> item number four for this night. Uh, the, the continuing comedy of Tom's handwriting goes on. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm it, guilty of that also. What is it that we look at? I know the impact of the debt will, is, is number five, but I, can I read number four? Uh, you don't know? What, uh, no, I think we're we're going to talk about the labor market churning in the labor market. Churning, that's right.
1: I remember yeah. that's that new word. Well, I, I talked earlier and I teased on this that I think this is going to be one of our big challenges. Um, um, I've said this many times, but I, I think it, it, uh, it, it doesn't matter to be repeated because I think it's very important. The economy we have after COVID is gone. is not going to be the same economy we had before COVID came. It's going to be a different economy, and I think we will see that very much so in the labor market. Um, one good thing that comes out of economic challenges, recessions, and, of course, we, we did go through a recession with COVID, is uh, ironically, and Tom, you're the historian, you you know this, is ironically that oftentimes you get a burst of innovation uh, during bad times and then immediately after. And I think it makes sense that that happens because let's say you're a business person and, 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 and let's say you're in the restaurant industry and you can't be open. Uh, You can't have people come in and sit down and eat. Well, you've got to earn a living. Well, you're going to think about, well, how can I maybe earn a living? And, and of course, that's where a lot of restaurants have turned to um, uh, call up, you order a meal, you go pick it up, or you have it delivered, et cetera, and that's really taken off. And that will probably be a permanent part, maybe not quite as big as the restaurant industry, uh, once everything gets back to normal. But you take that example and you think about all the various industries, all the companies that have been hurt by this, People who own those companies or run those companies, I think, have, have probably thought a lot about what can we do to change in order to survive this and what are we going to need to do afterward in order to, to survive, uh, survive maybe future pandemics. So there's been a, a lot of innovation and a lot of uh, innovation to come, I think. And if you think, Tom, also, again, to appeal to you as story, you think about the last big pandemic we had in our country, 19. 19- 17 to 1919, the so-called Spanish flu, well, what was that followed by? The 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. Lots of innovation, lots of advances in the economy. So that's the upside that we might be looking at is we're going to have a burst of economic activity, new ways of doing things, uh, new kinds of companies, et cetera, et cetera. The one downside of that, though, is I think that means the the types of jobs we have and how many jobs we have in various industries is going to change. But take the restaurant industry. I doubt that even if the restaurant industry came back 100% that they're going to do things the way they did in the past, and one of the things they likely are going to do is try to rely less on people and more on machinery and technology. And and again, repeat that for every industry that we have. So I'm looking ahead. all happen at on the same time, but we're going to have tens of thousands of people who find that uh, even though their companies back and, and working and going and selling and earning revenue, their job may be gone because it's going to be the, 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 the task have been reconfigured, where the business has brought in some some technology where they don't have to worry about workers getting sick. I think I used. The Carolina meat processing. Big, big industry. Um, very labor intensive. We are already seeing in other states, I don't think it's happened yet in North Carolina, uh, workers in those processing plants being replaced by robots. That is already happening. That's been one of the responses of the pandemic. Because the, the meat processing industry was kept open as an essential service, yet many of those factories had uh, outbreaks of COVID and so the managers and the owners have looked for ways, well, how do we get around this? How can we stay open? And one of the ways is to replace people with with machinery and, and technology. So that's the kind of thing that
0: I'm, I'm i think is going to happen and we need to be ready for it. Well, you know, uh, speaking of history, not only do to pandemic say the word pandemic pandemics produce things like this, things that that uh, alter the, the, the normal course of things. But wars do this, too. Uh-huh. And a lot of times what they do is they, uh, I hope I'm showing some wisdom here, is they they take things that were they were waiting in the wings, uh-huh. you know, the robots are waiting in the wings, and they just cause them to come into being that much quicker. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, they, they make things happen faster. I mean, the television industry in America had been stopped by World War II. Uh-huh. And as soon as the war was over, it just fell on the country, I mean there they were, all those television stations and all that bent up buying power and so on so uh, the, the uh, this is likely indeed as you said, what will happen is there will be uh, there, there will, it, it will be a good economy but the the the, the job picture will be different
1: yeah.
0: yeah yeah I hope that was some wisdom in that we do need to take a break and when we come back, you've got one more thing left on on the list here to talk to tonight, and that is the impact of the, the higher debt on us. And uh, uh, we, you touched on that a little bit back uh, when you talked about the COVID-19 bill, I think, but uh, it will be interesting to see what, uh, what the future holds and you can prognosticate uh, a little bit when we come back. Dr. Mike Wallen is our guest and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. I'm on Monday night. Remember, i remind you tomorrow night, we're going to talk about a, an item for Women's History Month. And uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about a guy named Alexander von Humboldt. If you don't know who he is, it'll be a good chance to find out. Tonight, we're talking about the state of the economy with Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics at NC State University. And we've got one more item on tonight's list, and that is what the effect of the debt will be on the economy. Dr. Walnut? Well, and, and
1: I have talked about this, but I but I want to talk about it a little bit more. Obviously the money we have spent on the COVID stimulus bills and that we may spend more, uh, has all been borrowed. So we've added the national debt. Um, again, if the current bill being debated goes through that'll be about a six trillion dollar addition of national debt. We are now at a level of debt over one hundred percent of our annual income. Uh, that's never occurred since World War II. Now, what is saving us in terms of finances is the fact that our interest rates that the federal government, the interest rates the federal government's paying on debt is very, very, very low. Just like anyone who's going out to borrow money to buy a house or a car, or they get the car, they see interest rates are very, very low. So in terms of our ability to afford this debt, we, we can do it. Uh, however, uh, if you look ahead and you you need no longer, no look no further than the Congressional Budget Office, which is the nonpartisan group of statisticians and economists that look at all issues budget for the federal budget, uh, they're worried about the national debt uh, rising primarily because of the aging population. Uh, you and I, Tom, are in that group called the Baby Boomers, uh, and we are, uh, I think you're Baby Boomer, right? Yeah, or not? Did you miss? I'm slightly early. I slightly early. I'm sorry. Well, sorry. we're in the, we're in the senior citizens. Ah. Designation, yeah, um, and uh, it, it turns out, of course, as most people know, one of the major uh, things that change when you get older is expenditures on health care. When you talk about very blunt on this. I-
0: tonight's program, if indeed there wasn't a space, and we have about two minutes left mm-hmm. in the program, and I thought I would ask you to uh, prognosticate about the Cincinnati Reds. Oh! baseball. We we <laughs> well, of course, to loosen a little bit. Uh, when you get to a baseball
1: fan uh, like me, and, and of course you are, and especially in my case, I've been a fan of Cincinnati Reds since I can remember. I, I think I've told you off the air. Some of my fondest memories with uh, my maternal grandfather was sitting outside in my parents' home out in the yard and listening to Wade Hoyt talk about the do the broadcast Cincinnati Reds and and if you uh, ever heard Wade Hoyt who actually was pitched for the Yankees and was I think a roommate at one point of of uh, Ruth you wished for a a rain delay because the stories were so animated and so interesting but uh, anyway um, you, you know there's the there's the the real side of me, and then there's the fan side of me. And the fan side of me says, "Well, the Reds will do very, very well." The real side of me says, "Well, uh, they still have some issues uh, pitching. They lost they lost uh, Trevor Bauer because they couldn't afford him. Uh, they lost another front line pitcher. I think I think modern baseball starts with good starting pitching, and they've got some question marks there. Their offense."
0: Rounding third and headed for home, yeah. Right. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. enjoy it. Look forward to next time. Thanks. Okay. Doctor Mike Walden, professor of economics at N C State, taking a look at the economy. Tomorrow night we're gonna talk about women's history.